0: Federal government lapses in funding have become a regular occurrence, but only rarely have they lasted more than a weekend. When they do, the effects can be powerful. Here with his perspective, Sean Moulton, program manager at the Project on Government Oversight. And Sean, you've lived through a few of these also, and it seems like there's less to oversee or things kind of go dark. What's your take on what this looks like as it drags on?
1: Well, I mean, there's there's obviously the immediate impact of hundreds of thousands of people with without getting paychecks, without uh, going to work. And during this kind of a, a time, it's particularly problematic, uh, people trying to pay their bills, their heating bills, their mortgages. Um, it creates uh, quite a ripple effect in the economy. Um, even when the workers often come back and get a lot of their back pay, um, those those intervening weeks, when it lasts a long time, can become uh, very unsettling for a lot of people. Um, but beyond that, the, the real impact is Uh, When these shutdowns start to affect the programs that so many people rely on, Um, because then you go from hundreds of thousands to talking about impact on millions. And, of course,
0: your angle on all of this at Pogo is keeping an eye on what's going on and through reports, through FOIA requests and through the regular documents that agencies put out. But none of that is really happening now. So I imagine transparency, if something can grow, that's actually an absence of something the lack of transparency might be growing.
1: Right. Yeah, websites are not being updated, FOIA requests are not being processed, no one's looking for any information that uh, on important issues that uh, reporters are looking for, academics are asking about. Um, we've got proposed rules from all these uh, nine agencies that are out there that they're you know, they're getting comments, people are sending in their thoughts on these comments, but they're not being looked at and questions aren't being answered when people have questions about these. And meanwhile, the the clock is still ticking, uh, and it's unclear whether or not they'll extend the deadline for uh, these these open public comment periods on regulations. It's very problematic. And what
0: about the politicals? The Senate earlier last week confirmed several high-level appointees. You've got a new confirmed Census Bureau director who now has to deal with preparations for 2020. What's it like for those people and what what do they experience when they walk in and maybe half or more of the staff is on furlough?
1: It really hamstrings them from the from the start. They come in uh, and as you said these are a lot of these are appointees and positions that were, were vacant for a long time so there's a, a real backlog of work that needs to be done and they come in and they they can't get going. Uh, people that are necessary for them to get up to speed aren't in. Uh, people that are you know they need to work with to make decisions and move forward they're not there I mean it's great that we're filling these positions it is but if you have uh, a chief and no Indians nothing happens
0: now it seems to me there's kind of a gray area in between the direct operational needs of the government and the economy such as the operation of airports by FAA and Transportation Security Administration and federal law enforcement they're on the job And the policy people, the regulation development people, the HR people, they're all furloughed, roughly speaking. But in between, there's kind of a gray area, say, food inspection or the ability of the FDA to do emergency work when a foodborne illness outbreak might happen. What do you expect in those kind of gray zones?
1: That is a real question mark because uh, there there are still food inspections going on, but um, as you raised... If something were to happen, uh, do we have the capacity to properly respond uh, if uh, uh, an outbreak of something is detected? Um, and the way we set up these, these shutdowns are that, uh, you know, essential workers and sort of responding to emergencies, those, are, those happen, uh, but do they happen as, as well and as effectively and efficiently as they would when the, the whole agency is operating at full capacity? it seems more questionable. Um, and so when you start talking about food inspections and, and possible outbreaks or uh, of, of something, then you really start talking about people's lives, people's uh, health and safety that uh, could be compromised if we don't respond as, as quickly and efficiently as we can.
0: We're speaking with Sean Moulton, Program Manager at the Project on Government Oversight, and that's probably true of an agency like FEMA which is not activated at this moment for emergency response in any grand way. We're out of the fire season. We're not into the flood season yet, and so forth. But should something happen, it might be harder to mobilize all of their
1: resources. Exactly. I mean, my my assumption is that FEMA would then, if they had a, a disaster, uh, FEMA would mobilize, uh, but they'd be mobilizing from a dead start rather than what you'd normally expect from an agency like FEMA, which is their they're tracking things as, as soon as a problem starts to develop, they keep an eye on it and start figuring out if they need to do something. Um, and then they are you know more in tune with with problems uh, before they become full disasters. So can they respond as efficiently when you know some of those people have been sitting at home for the last couple of weeks? Uh, it becomes a real question.
0: Also, I guess general counsels offices are probably furloughed. And if a question comes up related to legality in the case of an operational scenario, whatever that might be at any of the agencies, then it would be tough to get counsel done, I I would think, too.
1: I do know that the Department of Justice has asked that several of their bigger cases in the courts be delayed, that they get a continuance, essentially, uh, because they don't feel that they have the the full staff to be able to continue. And for that matter... uh, If we continue this shutdown for beyond January, uh, I'm not sure the federal courts will remain open for any cases. Carryover funds and some of the court fees that they collect will only last them so long. If this shutdown goes into February, there are going to be some tightening of the belt in the court system at the federal level.
0: Another agency that's kind of a mixture of operation and help and policy and all of this is the vast agriculture department, which is basically unfunded. What do you see happening there?
1: Well, the really, uh, the really important programs at Department of Agriculture, a lot of people don't realize that it's agriculture that run supplemental nutritional assistance programs, SNAP. They run all the school lunches, breakfasts. They run a program called Women, Infants, and Children that provide food formula to needy mothers and infants. And um, these programs, they have carryover money that's going to last them a few weeks. Uh, But if this continues, uh, we're talking about tens of millions of needy families that will uh, simply no longer have the assistance that they need just to feed themselves. Um, And that becomes a a real major crisis.
0: A lot of these programs are administered through states. So that means that when the states run out, then they go to the federal government and there's nobody on the other end of the line. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And different states will uh, run out at different times. So this isn't going to be uh, as simple as the shutdown where midnight on a certain date, you know, all the programs stop. But some states will probably start to shut down if this goes past January into February. And I mean, there's there's 42 million people that get the supplemental nutritional assistance. So in every state, you're talking about millions of people.
0: And there's also an intergovernmental aspect to this. For example, VA is funded and they're open and operating normally, but on behalf of veterans, they also might deal with the SNAP program. They might deal with housing, and HUD is unfunded.
1: Correct. Yes. There's a there's a lot of things that different programs might rely on the other agencies for. HUD is a, a great example for. Uh, different housing, insured loans, things like that for, for mortgages. Agriculture does uh, some of the mortgage approvals as well when they're when they're related to agricultural properties. And so you're talking about people who are trying to buy homes uh, and they're just stuck because they can't get a certain certain piece of that puzzle. There, as you said, there's no one on the other end of that line.
0: And if somehow the Republicans and the Democrats would find a way to lay down next to one another and not bite each other in the back of the neck, like in the jungle, and money was restored, how long does it take, in your experience, for the machinery to get back up to normal
1: speed? It, it does take, I mean, there, again, for many of these programs that do shut down, for instance, the mortgage uh, mortgage ones, that becomes the real problem. They, they get a backlog of processing that they have to do. And different programs typically will take, you know, more than a week to to catch up and then to be responding as quickly uh, you know, to new requests and new demands on them as they used to. So, you know, you're out for a couple of weeks and you, it's going to take you, even a, at top pace, it's going to take these agencies quite a while to catch up on the backlogs that are building up.
0: Sean Moulton is Program Manager at the Project on Government Oversight. Let's hope it ends soon. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Tom. Find a link to his essay on shutdowns and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.